Welcome everybody to the third episode of the Veterinary Optimist. I am Jennifer Evans, the Veterinary Optimist. And I'm really excited today because I have the pleasure of having a conversation with somebody I admire and a dear friend of mine today. Dr. Sarah Hilliard is a small animal veterinarian with 15 years of experience in specialty medicine, corporate and private practice, industry, and hospital leadership. Her history of severe burnout and compassion fatigue early in her career has motivated her to focus on the next chapter of her professional journey on advocating for breaking the stigma around mental health in the veterinary profession and speaking up and out for veterinary teams and students who are struggling. As a practitioner and hospital leader, he strives to model authenticity and transparency while maintaining a heart-forward approach in caring for her patients and the humans who love them. Dr. Sarah Hilliard, welcome. Thank you, Jennifer. It is an honor to be here. I, and you know what? I'm really excited about this. Not many people know this, but Dr. Hilliard and I are very good friends, and I'll be calling you Sarah throughout this podcast if you're okay with that. Um, totally. But Sarah, there's there's so many things that I admire about you, and the reason I think some of the top reasons are speak loudly in your bio. You talk openly about your severe burnout and compassion fatigue early in your career, and since we have a lot of conversation today, if you're okay with it, I would like to kind of just jump right in there, if you don't mind. Do you mind telling us a little bit about the beginning of your journey in veterinary medicine? Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate the opportunity. So like many veterinarians, I dreamed of this career since I was a child. Um, you know, I, I really can't remember a time that I didn't want to be a veterinarian. And so I followed the path that many do, you know, and worked hard through college and um, was fortunate enough to be accepted at the Ohio State University for veterinary school. And I have to tell you, I loved veterinary school. I thrived in veterinary school. I, you know, there, there was never um, a situation in which I was more validated in choosing a career than when I was going through veterinary school. And so about halfway through veterinary school, I decided I, I wanted to be a specialist. So my dream was to be an internal medicine specialist. Um, I have a deep love of teaching um, and I also love research. And so my idea was that I was potentially going to stay in academia and teach future vet students. So worked very, very hard and um, ended up getting an internship at Colorado State, which was another dream realized. And so when I graduated from veterinary school and I stepped into that internship, <clears throat> something happened. Um, and it's hard to explain, and looking back, it's a little bit easier to understand now, but at the time, something shifted in me, and I looked around at my intern mates, and I looked around at this beautiful facility, and I thought, how did I get here? I don't belong here, and eventually, they're going to find out that I don't belong here, mm. um, and it was really tough, because it came on sort of all of a sudden, and it was a big shift for me. And it also felt a little bit embarrassing. And so the way that I coped with it was to just hide that, um, show up every day, and kind of fake it till I made it type of an approach. But in the background, that was taking a big toll on me. I had a lot of anxiety about my performance. I thought a lot about my patients to the point where I was having trouble sleeping. Um, but somehow I made it through my internship um, and succeeded enough to be able to match for a residency back at Ohio State. So at this point, you know, I was in this very conflicting point because I wasn't feeling good inside, but on the outside, I was still checking all the boxes, right? I was still making the achievements um, and, and I was one step closer to my goal. But looking back, 
Um, I was not the most stable creature at the time, and I really didn't have much support, partially because I wasn't sharing what I was feeling on the inside with anyone else for fear that it would make me look inadequate or make me look like I didn't belong um, where I did, which was my ultimate fear. So I started my residency at Ohio State in 2009. And if I thought that the big, my internship was hard, the beginning of my residency um, was that on steroids. Um, I started suffering from very, very severe anxiety, very, very severe confidence issues, self-doubt, sleeplessness. Um, and I ended up seeking uh, mental health care because I didn't know how to uh, survive my day. But unfortunately, at that time, my, the mental health care that I was seeking um, wasn't exactly synergistic with what I needed. Um, I started to be medicated. I kept showing up to work, but I was doing a lot of things that were very unusual for me, falling asleep in class before clinicals. That is not something that Sarah Hilliard does. Right? Falling asleep on the way to work, I even got in a fender bender once because I wasn't able to drive all the way to work. Right? I had a bathroom specific for me that I knew no faculty was going to frequent so that I, if I had my panic attack, which was almost a daily occurrence for me, I could do it in the privacy of this particular bathroom without anyone seeing me and then somehow pull myself together to go see the next patient. And so this was the life that I led for about a year and a half. Um, and to make a long story mediocrely short, uh, one day um, I walked in, it was a Wednesday in October, and I walked into clinicals and that day I just felt like I couldn't take one more one more step and at this point i hadn't really shared much of my with anyone again there was a lot of shame and embarrassment around this um and so i found myself in one of the small animal wards kind of curled up in a ball and i just stopped and i don't know how long i was there um, but eventually one of my intern mates found me and um, she sat with me and i cried some more and eventually i shared with her um, that that evening I had a plan to go home and take my own life. Uh. And so she did um, what she needed to do. And she um, brought in faculty. Um, faculty asked me who they could call, ended up with me um, and my brother in the hospital. Um, I was evaluated and that landed me in a psychiatric hospital for two weeks. And so I made it through that, um, eventually got out of that, but I had to make the really tough decision whether to continue my residency, do something else, or leave veterinary medicine altogether. And I'll remind you that this was two years into my um, dream career. Okay. So I made the very tough decision to leave my residency, um, and I ended up joining a general practice, Banfield, actually. A dear friend of mine was working for a local Banfield and kind of took me under her wing. But I will tell you that I thought about leaving the profession many, many, many times during this transition. And I ended up staying in general practice for about six years. Um, and somehow I survived it. But the amount of guilt and shame that I carried with me for not being able to have made it through my residency, um, the amount of anxiety I experienced on my way to work every day thinking, I'm not gonna be good enough for not only my peers, but the animals that I'm caring for and the people that love them. Um, 
I kept wipes in my car so that I could wipe away my tears and sort of smack my face a little bit so that when I walked into work, no one would know that I was having a hard time, right? And on the surface, everything looked good, but um, really throughout my entire early general practice career, I struggled um, with anxiety, lack of self-confidence, and then just the shame of that mental health crisis that occurred. Because um, at that time, I really thought, this must be a me problem. I must not have been meant to be a veterinarian. Now, there's so many things that I would like to just circle back to. One, for anybody that gets into the place of where you were at when you were on the floor and your colleague found you, your student friend found you there, for you to have the ability and be brave enough to say, this is what are the thoughts that are going through my head. I, I just hope that anybody who ever feels that way is strong enough to say those words out loud because sometimes they're not. And I think we know that with some of the history in veterinary medicine. Um, and two, Sarah, I, I really want to, I really want to talk a little bit about, you know, when veterinarians come out of vet school anyways, a lot of them struggle with imposter syndrome and they really struggle with finding themselves and feeling confident enough to be able to actually practice veterinary medicine. Me, whenever I was in practice for a long time as a technician, I would, I was the stronger technician that would watch over the baby docs that were just coming out and kind of help them feel their confidence. Right. And I saw the pain in their eyes of feeling like they weren't good enough. So I couldn't imagine it being 10 times stronger with what you were dealing with. What, Sarah, tell me what finally made you realize that being in practice at that time in your life wasn't serving you very well? Yeah, well, um, you know, at the time, you know, all of this happened to me before really the crisis of mental health in the veterinary profession was realized or recognized right, by an entity like the ADMA. And so, you know, I was just kind of trying to figure this out on my own, which looking back, I'm actually quite proud of myself for being able to get where I've gotten because um, there just wasn't a lot of support. And I think what really made me realize that I've, I've got to make a change here um, is just the toll that it was taking on my everyday life. So coming home and being in tears more often than not, not even knowing why I was in tears sometimes, dreading coming into the clinic the next day for a profession that I really loved. There was a lot of conflict there, right? And so when you have that cognitive dissonance between feeling one way, um, but feeling a totally opposite way and not knowing how to reconcile those things, um, just really started to take a toll on my you know, mental and physical health. And with the support of my amazing husband, um, you know, I just started looking into alternatives to practice. Um, because I knew one thing that in that moment, at that time in my life, there was no way I would be able to sustain this for another 25, 30 years. I wasn't even sure at the time I could sustain it for another three weeks. So it really um, was more of a desperation of I, I, I can't keep going this way and I see the trajectory and I've got to figure something else out. Mm. You should be really proud of yourself that you took the initiative on that. And it even goes back to leaning on your support the same way you did with that with that student friend of yours but to be able to lean on your husband and I agree with you he is an amazing dude um to know that you felt supported in that moment no matter what your decision was right like no matter what step you took you felt supported in, in whatever that direction was going to be and I think that's a big deal because sometimes people don't always feel comfortable believing the people who believe in them right and so I just think that was such an amazing um ability for you to be able to lean into that so that kind of takes us into 
a little bit into your second part of your journey, which is, I, I, I'm a little biased because it's where we met. So um, I would love to kind of talk about that a little bit. When you decided to make that decision, uh, what, what did that feeling look like and how did you know what direction to go? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, when I was in veterinary school and even throughout my career, um, our options were essentially, you're gonna be a general practitioner or you're gonna be a specialist. There really wasn't a lot of talk about, you know, quote unquote, alternative careers, um, whether that be industry work, laboratory work, government work. Um, and so I didn't really have a lot of mentors or folks um, to look toward to think, you know, how can I stay in the profession that I love, but get out of clinical practice because, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to kill me is how I felt. Um, and so I did have um, a friend that I had practiced with earlier who uh, was working for Zoetis at the time. Okay. And she had, a, she had an MBA and her name is um, Dr. Cynthia Patterson. And she, um, I always looked up to her, but I never saw myself as the same caliber as her. You know, she, she was very business savvy and she just like got things and she was a hospital leader, right? And so here I am again in this sort of imposter situation. Um, but I was also extremely desperate to find something else outside of clinical practice. Um, and sort of with her help and coaxing and leadership, um, she had actually earned a promotion within Zoetis and she encouraged me to apply for the professional services uh, veterinarian job. And so I thought long and hard about it. And um, what I now recognize to be my wise mind at the time, we'll probably get into that a little bit, but I think my wise mind always knew that I had potential, that I had something to give this profession, um, that it wasn't time to give up. And so I thought, boy, if I survived all of my worst days so far, what's it going to hurt to go for something that feels a little bit out of my league, right? Um, and so I, uh, as I typically do, I went all in on this particular job application. Um, I did my research. I did my homework. Um, I really prepared for the interview as best I could. And lo and behold, in January of 2018, um, I got a call and I was the selected candidate for the Colorado area professional services veterinarian with Zoetis. And it was a very life-changing day for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that's actually where we met. For anybody listening, I actually made the decision whenever I went into my mind frame of, I can't stay in clinic anymore. I can't do this any longer. I, I felt like I was running, looking back, I don't, I wish that I would have done it a little bit differently, right? I wish I would have not run from it. I wish I would have recognized it a little bit in a different light, but my story is a little bit different than yours, right? But so we both ended up at Zoetis and that's where I met you. And I just remember thinking the first time I saw you, you were on a meeting with Carrie Everett and y'all had wigs on and all of these things and you were making learning fun. And you could tell you had a passion for veterinary medicine unlike anything else. And I remember when we got off that meeting, I sent you an email right after that. I had never met you before. And I sent you an email and I said, hey, you don't know me, but I'm going to be your friend one day because your voice and your passion is something that I admire so greatly. And so that's actually where we led up to be able to build our friendship. So I'm, I'm grateful that you made that jump and I'm grateful that you took that time. And, and I will say that there's no better situation than Zoetis, in my opinion, um, because I just think very highly of that company. So I, if you don't mind, I would like to just touch base on something. You mentioned the statement wise mind. Can you 
dive into that a little bit? Can you help me better understand what you mean when you say that statement? Yeah, yeah. Well, this was a this is a term I didn't learn um, until uh, shortly after I joined Zoetis. And so one of the things that happened for me when I joined Zoetis is that feeling um, that I, I explained about being in veterinary school, kind of feeling on top of the world, I was meant to do this. I started getting glimpses of that again. And the feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of anxiety, fear, um, you know, I there there was intimidation because the wettest has a lot of really talented people. Um, but I started to feel a little bit more of that old self. Um, and so with that came um, some natural healing as it does, right? Um, but probably the biggest realization I had within my first year of Zoetis was I needed to tackle some of that early career trauma that I had, and I had to do it in a meaningful and somewhat aggressive way. Um, you know, I'm smart enough to know that I survived that early trauma, but having never actually dealt with it um, was an issue for me. And I wanted to get stronger and I wanted to get, quote unquote, better. And the other thing that happened around this time was the ABMA came out with their survey data around mental health among veterinarians, suicide risk among veterinarians. And there was this feeling suddenly of, I'm not alone. Like, this is not a me problem, actually. I am one of many and part of a much, much bigger problem. So none of us ever like to feel alone, right? And when we learn that our problems are shared, even if they're painful, that can help us find the courage and the strength to really sort of unravel them. And so in 2019, I made the decision to really dive into a pretty intense cognitive behavioral therapy program um, that I'm still in today. Uh, and with the goal of really kind of unraveling some of these past traumas and really dealing with what happened to me, helping to understand my brain, why these things happen um, to people like me and how I can potentially overcome it and become stronger on the other end. And Zoetis really offered me the type of work culture and the space to be able to do that. Not only was I you know, able to do that, I was encouraged. Um, and I will forever be grateful to everyone at Zoetis who sort of helped um, me grow through this, this phase of my life. And so all that to say, the wise mind has come out of my cognitive behavioral training. And so think about like having two voices in your head, right? So you've got the voice that probably a lot of us are familiar with, the voice that tells you you're not good enough, right? The chatterbox. It's sort of black and white thinking. Well, if you can't do this, you're not good at anything. Um I, you know, I like to think about it as sort of my, my monkey mind, like, or hamster mind, right, on this hamster wheel or clanging cymbals like a circus, right, and not letting me be able to focus on anything I actually know to be true. But the problem is with this monkey mind, and it's very loud, right, and it's actually yes. hard to quiet, and it's hard to not listen to, even if it sounds ludicrous. And so my therapist taught me about um, the other part of the brain, which is the wise mind. And the wise mind is essentially what you know to be true. What are the facts here, right? And I started really kind of honing in on what do I know to be true, right? I have been a successful veterinarian. I have helped countless pets and countless people, right? My coworkers have said amazing things about me that I know they believe true, right? Um, and it, it, can, it can extend into other things outside of work, but that concept really, really helped me, especially in times of stress, 
when I'm hearing that very, very loud voice in my head telling me I'm not good enough or I shouldn't be here, right? The wise mind, even though it's softer, comes in and says, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, all the evidence points toward um, the fact that you should be here. In fact, you know, this profession needs you. And so um, the years I was with Zoetis, I just felt like I grew so much um, and I was able to sort of untangle some of that trauma that I had and really learn more about the science of compassion fatigue, why it happens. Um, and perhaps most importantly, understand that this wasn't a personality flaw of mine. Um, I was just victim of a problem that affects, you know, millions and millions of veterinarians all across the country. And Sarah, I, I would take that statement a little bit farther and say that it's something that affects millions and millions of humans uh, across yeah. this across this world. Because, you know, we were taught. You and I were talking one day, and you mentioned the wise mind. And for me, my statement was always that the lies scream the loudest, right? Like in these mm -hmm. moments where I can't think clearly and all of these things are happening, it's because these lies are screaming at me, telling me I'm not good enough, telling me, look at look at all of these things that are happening. This has just been luck. I can't believe that you believe that you did this. And like, it would, it just gets so loud, right? And so what I would need to do is be able to take a deep breath and say, okay, this is what I'm telling myself right now, but what facts are there to support these statements that I'm lying to myself about? Like, what are those facts, right? We were having a very deep conversation about this exact um, this exact subject, and you said the statement "wise mind," and I just loved that because now, when I hear the the lies screaming loud, I just take a deep breath and I say, "Jennifer, what does your wise mind tell you? What is the person who you want to trust, who you know is telling you the truth, who loves you? What is she telling you?" And and I just since that conversation, it's really been able to help me better understand it. And so I love that you dove into that a little bit today in this conversation. And, and I will even say, Sarah, like, I love that you took your time at Zoetis to better serve your own mental health, but to be vulnerable enough to be loud about it and open about it so that you could help serve other people because not every PSV or professional service veterinarian who went to Zoetis was in a situation of, I'm struggling, I need to get out of medicine. But I'm sure there was a handful of them that wasn't comfortable saying that, right? Um, and for you to be open about it, that is a big deal. And whether you know it or not, I know you made massive impact on many, many people. So um, I'm really proud of you for that. I'm really proud that, that I get to be your friend. So, and I love your brain, even both brains. <laughs> I love your monkey mind and your wise mind. So Okay. Likewise. Well, so then, so then you've done your growing, you've moved through all of these things within your career and your time at Zoetis. So then that brings us up to the next portion of your story, right? Can you tell me a little bit about what you are looking forward to now? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the um, cool projects I was a part of with Zoetis um, was a sort of present educational presentation on helping educate veterinarians on why compassion fatigue and burnout occur. And, you know, as you mentioned uh, just a minute ago, um, I really made a shift during my time with Zoetis with the support of some really amazing people from shame to empowerment when it came to my story. And when I started telling my story about that day at Ohio State and sitting on the floor and being in a psychiatric hospital and thinking about leaving the profession and all of those things, right? Suddenly, when I started talking about it, it gave it less power, right? And there was a really amazing thing that happened. I was, I was telling the story to give it less, less power, but in telling the story, 
I feel as though I've been able to connect with so many people on such a deep level because when I tell my story, people see glimpses of themselves in it, right? And if I had someone tell me that they were struggling or that they thought these things, right? When I was going through my struggles, I often wonder what impact would that have had on me, right? And I don't want to take any of it back or, or pretend it was different because it's brought me to where I am today. But I'm so grateful that I have been able to tell my story um, in, in different ways and different venues. And I so appreciate this opportunity too. Um, and I think it's only going to grow from here because we need to start telling these stories so we feel less alone, right? And so this became a huge passion of mine, and, and most of my Zoetis colleagues know my story, and kind of this is something I would um, talk about during my CE dinners and always kind of pull this in, right? And um, the further along I got in this journey, the more I started asking myself, gosh, if I was in practice today, how would that be different, right? And it was a very, very, very scary thought because it kind of felt like, well, why would I throw myself back into that lion's den, right, that I, that I finally escaped from? And that's really kind of how I considered clinical practice, right? Um, I had finally escaped and found this amazing position, so why would I go back? Um, but as, you know, serendipity um, works, uh, around this time where I was just having sort of some soul searching, two very dear friends of mine who are also veterinarians, um, started a veterinary clinic uh, in North, northern Kentucky um, with a lot of the concepts that we've been talking about, right? Like, um, how do we make veterinary medicine a safer place um, while still meeting the needs of the modern pet owner, right? And just like, you know, when I tell my story and we find people that, that connect with it, when you find people who are trying to do what what you're trying to do and, and just click with you and sort of have that same base why we do things, it can make a huge, huge impact on you. And so as I watched them sort of grow this practice um, with concepts like fear-free medicine, right, for the patients, but also for the doctors that are, that are working in the hospitals, um, reasonable work hours, right, a strong focus on well-being, talking about mental health, talking about the crisis in veterinary medicine, right, um, I was really inspired. And I had grown so much, and I thought, gosh, if not me, who? And if not now, when? Mm. And I used that mantra almost every single day until I finally made the decision to join this amazing small hospital group um, and bring uh, a new hospital to the Denver area as one of the local leaders. So... Yeah, it was, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a very short, short version of about a six month process of soul searching, but, you know, I just, which I'm like, all was super, I'm, all, I'm sure it was all super easy and there was no hiccups whatsoever and no, everything went no. smoothly and everything was great. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah no, nothing. Yeah. None, none of that. Uh -huh. It was, it, you know, it was pretty obvious, but, um, you know, I just think we're at a crux in veterinary medicine um, and most of us who are in this profession love it dearly and would, would do just about anything. Um, to maintain it and make it better, right? But it's hard and it takes brave, strong leaders to stand up and say, you know what? There are things that aren't working um, and we have to change them, but that's, that's hard, right? So that's kind right. of where I'm at and, and where I want to sort of go for the next decade plus of my career. 
well, I'm going to say this for anybody in the Denver area, even on the outskirts of Denver, if you are anywhere near to find her veterinary hospital, it is pet 365, pet 365, pet, pet 365. Yeah. Okay. Thank um, you. you can, yep. Yeah, you can find us at pet 365.com. Um, you know, we're a small hospital group, but this will be uh, the first hospital west of the Mississippi and, um, we're just we're just so thrilled. My my hospital's gonna be in Westminster, Colorado, if you're familiar at all with this area. Anybody in that area, not only for pet owners, but for people who are looking to work in a hospital, if you're a technician, if you're a reception, if you're any support staff in vet medicine at all, go find her and and talk to her because there's not many places that I would go back into vet medicine for, but you would be that person in a heartbeat. And I'm so incredibly proud of you, Sarah. Your story inspires me. Your brain is incredible. And everybody in that area is lucky to have you as, as, a, as a practicing vet in the Denver area. Full stop. Full stop. That's very sweet of you to say. It's, it's, um, I'm working on taking compliments at face value. So thank you for saying okay. that. Well, good, because um... I'm, <laughs> I'm your ultimate hype girl. So you have to take them from me. Well, you know, I think a lot of it is just um, being brave enough to show up, right? I don't have all the answers. I'm going to stub my toe. You know, I, I've never been a practice owner before, but I think there's just some basic things. You know, if I can keep my North Star um, shining bright, right, I'll be able to help course correct that. And I just, I really want to leave the profession better than I found it. Um, and if I can make a difference for even just, you know, one veterinarian, one more pet owner, one more pet, um, it's, it's going to be worth it. For me. Mm, I love that. Well, as we round out this meeting, there's a couple of things. One, I'm grateful that we had a chance to dive into compassion fatigue. I'm grateful that we had a chance to talk about wise mind and, and leading with the heart. I'm grateful that we got to hear your experience and know there are people like you that are willing to go back in there and fight for those of us who did struggle and are struggling. And I think that that's an, just a very beautiful thing. And I definitely cannot end this meeting without showing my deep gratitude for your perseverance for your ability to lean on people that you love and even the students that you weren't expecting to show up in that room that day. Um, this world is a better place because of you. Vet medicine is a better place for because of you. And I am a better human because of you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for everything you've done for our profession. And thank you for everything that you're going to do. Thank you, Jennifer. This is, um, I'm very proud of you and thank you for creating a platform for folks like me to tell my story and helping join the force to make veterinary medicine the place we all know that it can be. Mm, I love that optimistic look on it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this as much as I did. I, I think that I'm a smarter human because of it. And I look forward to having everybody, um, join us and join me for the next one. So thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.